I'm Joe Devine and welcome to Whiteboard Football Extra. Today I'm joined by Nick Miller to talk about Mina Raiola and the role of agents or super agents in modern football. Uh, We spoke for 20-25 minutes or so and at the end of the podcast as well Danny Sayers drops in a little update from the Netherlands. He's out there with Matt covering the tournament for us and making uh, some beautiful videos. So if you haven't seen any of them, please do go to our YouTube channel and check them out. There should be two or three up there now, but from a you know videography point of view, I think they're absolutely gorgeous, um, personally. So please do um, go and check them out. Also, if you can, uh, this is my regular plea for you to uh, leave a positive review and or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud or YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. It really does help us. Um, we're trying to get as many people to listen to it as possible, so that'd be fantastic. Our World Cup series over the summer is now officially over. Um, you've probably noticed we've started making Premier League and uh, club-related football videos again. So the Lukaku tactics video we put out last week, that's up there if you guys haven't seen that and want to watch it. Um, tomorrow, I think we're putting up a tactics video on Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool and counter-pressing. So that that was quite interesting to make. Um, but I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for the download and we'll see you again next week. Most people's first thought on the topic of football agents uh, tends to be rather negative. But for those of us maybe less traversed in the w- in the ways of football agents, Nick, can you just give us a brief description of, of their general role? Uh, well, obviously the kind of traditional uh, role of uh, an agent is to uh, look after a player's contract, make sure... Uh, he's not being taken advantage of by rich football clubs and to get them the best deal possible but recently probably in the last kind of 15 20 years or so it, they've evolved into sort of kind of all purpose for kind of high powered PAs you'll you'll often hear uh, agents describe themselves as sort of um a combination of uh, minders financial advisors and sort of pseudo psychiatrists at some point as well agents will often be the people that a player will go to if you know he's having confidence problems or he's you know he's having problems with someone uh, in his team or a manager or anything like that and uh, the agent will either you know just be a sounding board for those kind of things or they might be able to do something about it as well and on a kind of silly basic level uh, you'll often hear them talking about players who will call them up asking for advice on the most sort of basic of you know human problems you know for example how to pay bills uh find them a new house how to cook a meal anything like that i think i mentioned in the um Raiola piece that mario balotelli once called him up to uh, inform uh, Raiola that uh, his house was on fire and Raiola calmly advised him to call the fire brigade so their sort of uh, their role has definitely evolved from uh purely uh, financial and contractual advisors to kind of pseudo-life gurus for for young men who are thrown into a world with a lot of money but not a lot of life experience to know what to do with that money. Mm. It's interesting that the way that you you put it there as well because one of the other things that that brings to mind those sorts of responsibilities is is parenting and in in some ways I guess they're kind of pseudo-parents almost for, for... for young players, which is why, which is one of the reasons why I think um, a lot of supporters or observers or journalists can be sceptical of an agent's role, because obviously 
if they're providing you know those sort of uh, basic comforts or, or you know responsibilities for people that's not necessarily a bad thing but as we as we all know i think with parenting what comes with those other responsibilities is also quite a lot of trust and quite a lot of power over people if they're young particularly and if they uh, you know are playing in a world of adults i think uh, that gives agents who may or may not have uh, you know nefarious agendas uh, quite a lot of power over kids in a way that maybe you wouldn't want them to have you know um it's interesting that we that we talk about that as well because mina rayola for you know for whom you wrote the, the script for for our recent video um one of the themes that stuck with me from that was was the idea that rayola treats his clients as a family he seems to be the archetypal um i suppose uh, character within this idea that agents are acting now beyond what their original role was intended for not just legal aids but also you know uh personal aids as well i suppose and there, there really does seem to be from the quotes that you used uh, an emotional connection between rayola and his clients that i hadn't really expected uh before i didn't know loads about him to be honest I, I knew who his clients were but i didn't know much about his life story um and given that and the fact that you know whenever large sums of money are involved in the, the, you know in deals the majority of supporters tend to make quite harsh judgments um generally and that goes for players as well as clubs and managers mainly agents i think do you think it's possible that agents get a bad rap or at least a disproportionately bad rap or is that you know am i inventing that uh, it's possible that that's uh, the, the the bad reputation is um disproportionate uh mainly because your average fan will only see the uh, the sort of uh, public role of the agent, which more often than not is moving players around uh, and demanding, uh, in many cases, large sums of money for doing so. Uh, it's inevitable that if you know a this player X moves from your club and uh, it turns out or it seems that it's the agent that has been behind that move then fans are going to have some kind of animosity towards them I think we've reached the point where fans while there is a, a, an obscene amount of money in the game fans are broadly accepting that uh, if anyone's going to get that money it should be the players whereas if you hear of agents being paid millions and millions of pounds in fees for something that you're not quite sure exactly what they're doing then it's i think it's inevitable that they um you know they will get a a bad reputation and people will feel some kind of animosity towards them um i think that the 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 one thing to mention is as with with most things there are good agents and there are bad agents there um there will be agents that you'll hear fairly horrific stories about where they will prey on uh, young and impressionable players and in many cases relatively young and impressionable parents as well and they will make promises that their player will you know that if they sign with uh, with them then this young player will be able to sign for you know, large amounts of money with this club and but only they can do that and that this is because they want to get that uh, power and influence that we talked about earlier at the the earliest stage possible and at that stage they might not make decisions for the player that are in the best interests uh, of that player they, they might just be purely uh, financial 
Um, and I think this is one of the areas in which um, uh, Raiola might get a bad reputation because other than a couple of situations, he may earn a lot of money and you, you may think that that is an unjustified amount of money, but there aren't many situations in which his uh, clients have made bad career moves. Um, we think we'll go on to talk more specifically about Paul Pogba shortly, but um, Mario Balotelli is probably the outlier of his clients in in many many respects. Um, uh, he and Raiola, I think, has admitted that uh, when uh, Balotelli's move to Milan. When uh, he left Manchester City, he shouldn't have done that. Obviously, he shouldn't have moved to Liverpool either, but that possibly was for, for other reasons. Uh, so while there are many kind of legitimate criticisms of Raiola, I'm not sure that uh, being a bad agent in that respect is one of them. No, I agree. And I think as well, Balotelli is an, is a, an interesting example um, because, as you say, he, he runs very hot and cold on, on the field. And whilst... Rayola's influence is going to exert, you know, a certain amount of control. There's not really much he can do if if Balotelli isn't making it on on the pitch, you know. So I, to a certain extent, a player's moves are as well, you know, even if they have a very talented uh, agent or a very well connected agent, a player's moves are still, you know, uh, mostly dictated by how well they're performing. I wanted to pick up on something you were saying earlier as well about. Um, Agents making a lot of money on big deals. It's interesting because last week on the podcast I spoke to Seb Stafford-Bloor about um, Daniel Levy saying that, that the Premier League's club spending was unsustainable and that these you know figures are, are sort of surreally high now. Um, and one of the things that Seb said was that, that the figures themselves are, are kind of becoming the offensive thing rather than, you know... Your example was that a player might move away from your club, and the the you know the, one of the reasons given might be that all oh, the agent was agitating for a move, and that might be the reason that you know that agent is now disliked. But I think uh, now that we're, we're in a situation where the amount of money being spent on football is is you know as I mean a- absurd really to put to, to 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 put it to put it lightly even. Um, you know, it's inevitable that an agent is going to make a lot of money if they have a high-profile client. And I think one of the things, one of the sort of common conceptions about agents as well is that they're sort of parasitical. Um, in fact, I was in the pub the other day chatting with some friends uh, about people applying for jobs and applying for work, and all of them at some point in their past had used an agency to apply for jobs, even like state state jobs. So a friend of mine works at the British Museum um, but he originally got that job through an agency. He's now a permanent member of staff, but the British Museum had to buy him off the agency like he was <laughs> like he was a sort of slave. Um, and that's interesting to me because that is a publicly funded museum, and that is money that that you know directly goes out of uh, out of the public purse into the into the private sector. Really, for 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 what reason? So that they don't have to you know spend a bit more time. Ad, you know, advertising in the Guardian, for example, for people to apply for jobs. I mean, I suppose the whole purpose of an agency, beyond the kind of nefarious means of interesting lacks, lack of rights and stuff like that, is to make it easier to to hire people or multiple people in one go. That really seems to be the only reason. And an agent in the football realm, from a legal point of view, does seem to <clears throat> occupy the same sort of potentially unnecessary role. Of course, footballers would need to have legal representation, 
but I'm pretty certain that um, they'll also be working with with lawyers. I don't think the agent is necessarily the be-all and end-all of all contractual um, agreements, maybe the negotiation stage. So I think, generally speaking, it is one of those roles that maybe just seems sort of unnecessary, a kind of hated middleman. um, And in... Yeah, I think that, that, yeah, sorry, I think that's that is one of the uh areas in which people have legitimate concerns is that I, I won't kind of pick out an individual transfer but um because because we don't know the kind of the ins and outs of all these deals. But there will be some transfers where uh the selling club wants to sell, the buying club wants to buy and the player wants to move. So in mm. that uh, and and then still in those situations a an agent will take a large commission or whatever you want to call it and you kind of wonder what on earth he has done to earn this you know, this amount of money. In fact, yeah. the, the, the one example from years and years ago that springs to mind is when Harry Kuehl went to uh, Liverpool from Leeds. He's, he had an agent called Bernie Mandich who uh, Leeds obviously needed to sell the, because they were in dire... This is kind of the very, towards the start of their real dire financial problems. Kuehl wanted to move to Liverpool. Liverpool wanted the player, and he uh, took uh, two million pounds. He called it a success fee, and mm. people were just kind of uh, it probably quite legitimately baffled as to what he, exactly he'd done to earn that that money. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a bizarre thing, and as I said, I think it's you know seemingly unnecessary in some cases, although obviously uh, not in all. Um, let's revisit the situation between Raiola and Sir Alex Ferguson, because obviously with Manchester United paying Juventus £89 million for the return of Paul Pogba, there's the potential uh, suggestion of, of eggs and faces, baby Nick. From Ferguson's point of view, he clearly didn't want to be extorted uh, for an unproven youth player, or I suppose unproven at the time, um, and he took an immediate disliking to, to Raiola. Ferguson's actions, whilst potentially you know retrospectively incorrect they might be morally at least upheld by a majority of fans uh who also you know hold that that view of agents as as industry parasites as as we've suggested but in your rayola video you take a you you know you sort of take a look from the other perspective because rayola clearly made a lot of money from from pogba's transfers but you could definitely argue and i think you you know you've already touched on it um that pogba directly benefited from the move um and also to you know to take uh, you know, take that one step further as well. Sir Alex Ferguson is obviously going to have the support of a lot of supporters, um, and Rayola, as the agent of Pogba, isn't doesn't have his own fan boy, uh, fan base to sort of support him in his actions. The club are going to want to get the best deal possible, and I think what's interesting about you know the rise of agents or super agents, I suppose, in 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 modern football, is that there's so much hate directed towards them and and directed towards um, player power that we forget about things like why the Bosman ruling was introduced or we forget that clubs have their own agendas that if they could get away with it they would do you know things that would be considered just as bad. Yeah, absolutely and the the thing about the Pogba move is obviously he went to Juventus he did very well but the other thing to consider is that so he he left United in 2012 a year later Ferguson had retired so if Pogba had stayed uh, at United 
he would have had a season where he was maybe in and out of the team and then he would have been managed by David Moyes and you know that as 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 we know that didn't go particularly well and then Louis van Gaal but as it was he went to Juventus he was I think he almost immediately a member of the first team and he he won a, a you know a, a number of league titles got to the Champions League final uh, and you know ultimately came back to United on on his own terms it's it's inevitable that Ferguson is going to dislike Raiola initially because their personalities clashed. But Pogba was probably... I was trying to think of another example for this, but um, he was probably the first player that uh, left United under Ferguson that Ferguson didn't... He, he either desperately didn't, uh, didn't want to lose or could at least not see why he was leaving. Uh, Ronaldo is the, the obvious example a few years earlier, but I think Ferguson had sort of accepted that uh, it was inevitable that Ronaldo was going to move to uh, Real Madrid at, at some stage. Um, but with Pogba, this was a, a brilliant young player who uh, Ferguson wanted to keep, and he couldn't quite understand why uh, why this kid was leaving, other than because his agent had said he could get more money elsewhere. Uh, that that's probably not. Uh, well, that's almost certainly not entirely fair, uh, but you can certainly understand why uh, why Ferguson thought that. And it's worth noting as well that amongst his, his clients, including Pogba, Henrik Mkhitaryan, Romelu Lukaku, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he also represents Mario Balotelli, as, as we've said. Um, and, and Balotelli is he's currently playing at Nice, perhaps not quite at the same level as many of the other players that that, that Rayola represents. And we've you know we've already sort of uh, speculated that that he might be the outlier there. Um, but one of the you know one of the ways that that he does fit the bill is when it comes to to attitude, as uh, Rayola's clients or many of them all seem to have, as you know in the video, brash attitudes are often outspoken or outgoing, to put it lightly. And you say you say in the video that Rayola actually encourages his clients to be that be that way. What what do you think about that? And what what do you think that the the benefit of that is? I think the classic example of that is Lukaku. If if you remember when he kind of when he first signed for Chelsea, he was a very kind of almost deferential towards towards a club he was talking about, you know, idolizing Didier Drogba and having you know his posters on his wall and so on. But now if you see Lukaku being interviewed or you know certainly before just in the kind of weeks and months leading up to his move to United he was very kind of outspoken and kind of brash and, and confident and ultimately that might be that may have been part of the reason that he got this move that he was very kind of vocal about uh, wanting to to leave Everton and that sort of thing will inevitably help sometimes the in the view of agents such as Raiola deals like this have to be sort of forced through so I think that's one of the kind of reasons that he will encourage his players to be outwardly self-confident but I think the the, the thing with a lot of most of Raiola's clients and again (laughs) Mario Bellatelli is the sort of outlier here is that he'll encourage them to be sort of brash and, and outgoing but he'll also encourage them to work hard. The you know the 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 story uh, about uh, his first meeting with Ibrahimovic was uh, he said he needed to uh, sell his cars and sell his jewellery and get, get you know knuckle down and start working to improve himself as a player because his you know his performance at that stage wasn't good enough. Um, so in that respect, he his players are encouraged to have that outward self-confidence but not 
uh, a sort of uh, detriment to their play, and certainly, you know, certainly, you could couldn't accuse most of them of uh, being unprofessional. We should we should mention that we, we've recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ahead of the date it is released, so we're not totally up to date uh, on the movements of players. Uh, as we know, things can happen very quickly in July and August, so everything could have changed already. We don't know. Um, but I wonder, Nick, if we can expect really much else from Raiola this summer anyway. You know, his clients seem to have in part dominated transfer speculation for most of, of the window so far. Um, and I wonder if that actually might just be a reflection of how, uh, you know, in air quotes, active Raiola is during transfer windows or whether, you know, uh, agitating and, and getting his clients talking and getting them in the press is a good way of getting them potent deals potentially if they did decide they wanted to move. Yeah, I think that's that's entirely right. As as for the kind of the the rest of the summer, he he might actually be quite quiet now because I mean most most of his quiet clients are you know re- reasonably settled. Um, Lukaku's obviously just moved. Balotelli just signed a new one year contract with Nice. Um, generally, after a kind of a period of. Uh, in- instability. In, in, yeah, well, yeah. After a period of instability, Gianluigi uh, Donnarumma has signed a new contract at uh, mm. at Milan as well. A couple, there are a, a couple that you know you could still see some some sort of movement on. It, it, Ibrahimovic, he's in he's in flux. Yeah, but that that's probably slightly a different thing because obviously he's no one's going to sign him until he's proved that he's his knee is recovered. Yeah. Um, another of his players is Marco Verratti, who's sort of uh, possibly agitating for a move away from um, PSG at the moment as well. Um, is Barcelona the likely destination for him? It's that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah, from I mean I, I cannot stress this enough. I don't have sources close to the deal. Uh, <laughs> But uh, from everything that's been written by people who know a, a great deal about, uh, more about it than I do, uh, mm. it seems that Verratti wants specifically to go to Barcelona. Um, uh, and Rayo Ray also has also has um, a, a young player called Moises Keane, who plays on the books of Juventus, who he thinks is going to be the next kind of big thing. Whether uh, whether he'll presumably he won't be moving this summer, but. Um, you can expect to hear Raiola talking him up quite a lot as well. Mm. Okay, and one final thing before we finish the podcast, Nick. Of course, we are not far from the uh, the beginning of the season now. Probably only a, f- a few days. I can't work out how two weeks ahead and what's... I don't understand the calendar. But uh, <laughs> we can't be far from football beginning when this podcast is released. Uh, so, a couple of uh, very quick questions. Firstly, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you uh, what you think... Um, who, well, who, who you're backing, let's say, to do well this season in the Premier League. And secondly, I was going to ask you about uh, Tottenham's transfer policy of no transfers, but then I thought, oh, two weeks, they may have bought the whole world by then. So let's leave that one out. The first question stands. Uh, well, the, the, the first question, it depends what you mean by backing. Uh, I desperately want Tottenham to, to do very well, uh, if, if only because they are, as you say, at the moment, and... Um, uh, this again, this may all change, but at the moment they seem not to be uh, following the route of everyone else by firing money around like it's get out of a t-shirt cannon, and that's uh, it's. It, I don't know if this sounds a bit kind of you know old man watching the football, but that is quite refreshing. As it for does, it, it does sound old man watching the football, Nick. Yeah. Oh well, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll embrace it. Um, as for who I 
think will do well. Ah, I don't know. Probably Manchester City. They they'll they'll they look. They have a, an, an absolutely terrifying selection of of forwards. Um, I'm not sure. I, I sense lackluster in your in your response. That I feel like you you know you don't care that Manchester City are going to do well. Is that it, fair? It's not that I don't care that Manchester City are going to do well. It's just that <laughs> I I am very reticent about giving promote uh, predictions of any description because mm, uh, mm. you know it's 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 a it's a fool's game and it's almost impossible that's, to that's do. That's what I've asked you. That's why it's, <laughs> it's mainly fun for me. Yeah, um, but Nick, old man in the chair watching football. Thank you very much for, for for joining us today. I do appreciate that, and we'll we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Hey guys, Ted Joe. Hope everyone is well. Danny, coming at you from the Netherlands again. Uh, since I last spoke to you, we have uh, seen England's second group game. Of the tournament, and I'm sat in my apartment currently at the time of recording this, and we're about to go to England's final group game of the tournament against Portugal in Tilburg. You're going to be listening to this on the Monday, so it's a bit confusing. Um, if all goes to plan today, basically, as long as England don't lose significantly, then last night England should have played their quarterfinal game. So at the point you're listening to this now, we have uploaded our second and third episode of our trip. Um, so if you haven't given them a watch and you're interested in it, it'd be greatly appreciated if you do. We should also have another live stream or two that we've done during the games. So that should all be up on the channel now. Going forward this week, we're going to be going to the quarterfinal, semi-final and final of the tournament, regardless of how well England do. So we'll be releasing uh, a video um, this upcoming weekend covering uh, the first stage of that. And then the following weekend, we'll do our final video covering the final. And throughout all that, we're going to continue exploring the country. The Netherlands is just, they're so it's so big. <laughs> I don't know where to go. But I think we're going to definitely try and hit up Amsterdam. Of course, we have to. Um, we went to Rotterdam yesterday. We're going to go again today. That should be in the video that's been uploaded. We've got plenty of other places we want to see and plenty of other things we want to do. And we're going to be doing some more live streams throughout this week as well. So make sure you keep your eye on the channel to see them. Let us know um, whether or not you like the live streams because we could uh, look at implementing them on the channel uh, in the future in other aspects. So that would be really fun to do. But just wanted to give you a quick update as to where we were since we last spoke. Um, and then I'll be back on the podcast probably next Monday, at which point the tournament would have been over. So it's all come around really quickly. But yeah, that's where we are. Just um, go on to the playlist link on the channel if you want to keep up to date. And if you want a real-time up-to-date, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Danny underscore Sayers. That is the best place to follow all my photos, updates, tweets, everything. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful Monday. I hope Joe's soothing voice is starting your week off in the right way. And uh, I will hopefully see you on the videos soon, or if not, see you next week on the podcast.